Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast with your hosts Jason, Jacob, and Jeff. And this podcast is sponsored by Monster Whitetail Grub. Monster Whitetail Grub is a great deer feed company. They've got everything you need for deer feed. They've got deer feed, which is like a high protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. It's a really good product. They've also got straight mineral. They've got flavored corns, tons of different flavors like apple, cherry, persimmon, peanut butter, a huge list of flavors. So they're a long range attractant because of those flavors. And best of all, they're an Ohio company. So by supporting them, you're supporting the Ohio economy. They are not only located in Ohio, but they do their best to source all of their ingredients from Ohio, even down to the buckets that they sell their product in. So they're a great company and we appreciate them sponsoring the show. This episode is an important one because it affects all the hunters in Ohio, not just deer hunters, not just turkey hunters, not just waterfowl hunters, everybody, not even, not even just hunters, but backpackers, hikers, because we talk about the AEP land with the guys from the Ohio chapter of backcountry hunters and anglers. So we talk about what's going on with AEP. We talk about the proposed license and tag price increases and what that's going to do for Ohio's conservation and and wildlife budget and a lot of other important things that uh, anybody interested in the outdoors really needs to be aware of. So this is a really good one. Really excited about this episode. Hope you enjoy it and hopefully you learn something. One little disclaimer before we start this one. We did have some intermittent connection issues, so there are some spots where the audio gets a little sketchy. You have to bear with us. I was able to repair most of it, but there are still a few spots where you'll notice the uh, the audio gets a little choppy. So sorry about that, but uh, we wanted to make sure you guys got the information. The information is still good, and, and, it, and the information is still conveyed, but we wanted to uh, put that disclaimer on there so you guys know that there is a little bit of a choppiness in some of the audio. So with that, let's start the episode with John Ingram and Tony Ruffing from the Ohio chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. All right, we've got John Ingram and Tony Ruffing from the BHA, the Ohio chapter of BHA. And first, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show, taking time this morning to to chat with us. Appreciate you guys doing that. You bet. And uh, hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, sure. And so I think I want to start with, if you guys could just kind of tell us a little bit about yourselves, what, you know, did you, did you grow up in Ohio? How did you get into hunting? That sort of thing. And then we'll, we'll get into a little bit about BHA and some of the, uh, some of the public land issues that we got going on in the state here, uh, recently. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, uh yeah. So the uh, board chair, uh, born and raised in Ohio. Uh, my wife and I live kind of the northwest, north central part of Ohio, along the Snusky River. Um, like I say, born and bred Ohio my whole life. Um, you know, just gut hunting, uh, kind of the in the very traditional manner. My dad took me out rabbit hunting, coon hunting, squirrel hunting when I was a kid. Um, kind of progressed into there, and now I'm a, a turkey nut and deer nut and I spent the morning looking at the uh, spring hunting catalog, so I'm getting geared up for turkey. But got in a big shape just uh, um, uh, about a year ago, and uh, just uh, not really too many uh, conservation organizations in Ohio quite like and uh, really just try to be an inviting group to folks. Um, but, uh, and I'm, I'm rambling on here, so I'm just going to let John take over real quick. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks for having us, guys. I'm Jonathan Ingram. I'm, uh, I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the co-chair of the Ohio chapter. I'm actually from Southern Illinois. So I grew up, uh, kind of right on the Mississippi river as close to, uh, almost inside the river, frankly, um, <laughs> easy, <laughs> any flood pretty much, uh, pretty much approached our front door. So I kind of grew up there running, running the river bottoms and bluffs of the, of the Mississippi river and ended up meeting my wife in college in Chicago and my wife's from Cincinnati. So uh, once I, once we kind of wrapped up school, um, I moved out of Cincinnati back in 2005. So where I, where I still live today, um, kind of grew up, um, you know, a lot of catfishing, a lot of, a lot of pan fishing, 
uh, a lot of bird hunting um, before I, you know, before I sort of uh, integrated myself into football season. And for those of you who have played football, you know, it tends to happen in the sweetest hunting season. So I played football in high school, played football in college and, you know, went on to graduate school and kind of end up get, get kind of going away from hunting a little bit, still doing a lot of backpacking, that kind of thing. But once I moved back down to Cincinnati, started picking it back up again and, you know, spend most of my time, you know, deer hunting, turkey hunting, just like, just like most Midwestern, Midwestern folks, a lot of small game hunting as well, but, uh, get out as often as I can get out with my kids as often as I can. So, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been here since 2005 and really, you know, love the state. It's been a, it's been a great experience. Awesome. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we sort of similar stories. We're, we're all, the three of us are sort of born and bred Ohio, grew up hunting with our dad and I guess, you know, just to give us, give you guys a little background on us, you know, we, we, uh, grew up hunting with our dad, mostly in Southeastern Ohio, Wayne national forest area down there. And Mm -hmm. so public land is sort of near and dear to our hearts. And when, uh, you know, we sort of learned about BHA and I guess to back up BHA backcountry hunters and anglers for, for listeners that aren't aware. Um, we learned about that through some of some other podcasts actually like the the meat eater podcast and the uh randy newberg's podcast Mm -hmm. and i think correct me if i'm wrong but but uh backcountry hunters and anglers started sort of out west right that because there's a lot more public land out there there's a there's a lot more there's a what do i want to say a bigger public land sentiment out there because of the way public lands were formed out there yeah yeah, you know, just a just a much bigger chunk of public land, you know, a larger section of of sort of the of, of western lands is is public. You know, sure. um, they have millions upon millions of acres um, in some of those states. And really, you know, backcountry hunters and anglers fundamentally, what our goal is is to protect uh, public land uh, and public water rights and access for for hunters and anglers, but really for all all those who use them. Right. So, so the, the you know backcountry hunters and anglers really formed. Um, as a response to some some sort of uh, political efforts to appropriate um, those public lands for private use, right? So to, to to make sure that those hunting and fishing traditions and those lands that we've utilized um, can sort of continue to be available for us and for our children and for our grandchildren. So, um, you know, uh, the chap that, you know, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers has grown, it's, it's the fastest growing conservation organization in the United States. Um, they've essentially doubled membership every year since we were, since we were formed. Wow. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, we're doing, doing great work, um, you know, really advocating and, and had some really great successes lately. Um, so the, you know, BHA has extended, um, into states. So there's all sorts of state chapters. Um, our Ohio chapter, we started, um, we really became a formal chapter, um, an interim chapter, I would say in January of last year. And then we were formally adopted in April, um, by the national board. Uh, okay. we started with less than a hundred members. Um, and we are, are sort of keeping up on the same pace, uh, in terms of doubling our membership, um, on a pretty consistent basis. And we're over 500 members in Ohio right now. So, uh-huh. So we're pretty proud of the work we're doing, and you know we have a great board, and you know we're out hustling on behalf of those public lands in Ohio. You know we have very, you know, compared to the West, you know we're less than what four? What is it, Tony? We're less than four percent public land in Ohio. Um, you know, so yeah, we have a much smaller, sm- much smaller. So it's precious to us, right? We don't have millions yeah. upon millions of acres, so uh, we are, we are, we are going to fight to maintain every acre we have. So. We like to view it out east here that because we have so much less land, we have that much more to lose. Um, yeah. So whereas like states like Idaho, two thirds of it is publicly accessible. Ohio, it's four percent. So that mm-hmm. that big big difference there. Yeah, for, I mean, for somebody that's grown up, you know, born and raised in Ohio, like two thirds publicly accessible, that just that's even hard to fathom, you know, it's, oh, know. it's yeah. just, that it does not compute, you know, it's like, I, I can't even picture that, you know? Yeah. So. My two, I have two sisters who live in Idaho and, you know, if they didn't have that, I'd trade places with them if they didn't have such terrible jobs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. So, so that's a little bit about BHA, you know, like I said, that's how we sort of learned about about BHA and, and I've been a member for a couple of years now. I, I don't remember exactly how long, but, uh, when I, you know, 
hearing about the work you guys do and and just making sure that the public lands stay publicly accessible that like i said that's sort of near and dear to my heart and so i joined up shortly after learning about bha could you guys talk a little bit about i guess not only keeping public lands accessible but i saw last year you guys did a a cleanup event at uh what was it killbuck marsh where you guys went out and uh cleaned up a bunch of trash and stuff that people were dumping out there could you talk a little bit about that kind of work that you guys do sure tony what tony you kind of led the killbuck initiative maybe you kind of give them an overview of that and i'll touch base on some of the plans for the future yeah because it was kind of an easy location and i've I've got a little bit of history there. That's that's kind of kind of where I got started in the waterfowl hunting. I've got some buddies that live up there, and and they took me up there. And with I've been hunting waterfowl for about five years now, and from the first time I went up there to you know early season during goose season come downhill, there was just kind of catastrophic. And that's just one case is in Killbuck, right? I mean, there's you know wildlife areas all over the state that you know just from lack of funding and lack of manpower they can't do it. So we try to uh, partner with the Division of Wildlife and um, do what we can on a volunteer basis. And, you know, sometimes that's just somebody showing up with a trash bag. And, you know, sometimes it's showing up with a group of group of folks with chainsaws, weed whackers, and, and you know, what other implements of destruction. You, um, with Killbuck, we were able to partner with uh, um, the district officer um, up around Worcester and, and we had about, about 12 volunteers show up that day. Um, all in all, we had like an eight, 10 hour day, but um, the big trouble that they had was a few of the parking areas had just become overgrown. You can't see it from the road. So, you know, somebody's in there dumping trash, drives by, well, he can't see into that parking lot to know if anybody's back there or not. So we just basically did a big old brush cleanup, you know, open that up and, it, you know, not only did we clean up an area that allowed for, uh, wildlife officers and sheriff's deputies to see if anybody's back here doing something or not. But we also increased the parking area that there as well. So, you know, on top of cleaning, we're using, you know, access opportunities where, you know, before maybe only three or four vehicles can get there. Now six or seven can park in there. You know, that's that many more people able to get out and, and enjoy our public land system. Right. Um, so we were able to partner with that. You know, we had, I think we had about four dump trailers full uh, and then like I said, we just cleared out a bunch of parking areas that, you know, they control better and, and keep folks from birds because that's how you lose it, right? You know, you get, you get one bad apple ruins the egg. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, that was a, that was a pretty positive initiative and something, you know, we heard, we've heard from membership, of, uh, you know, about, um, really having an interest for more boots on the ground kind of opportunities to improve habitat and improve public land. Um, you know, we have, uh, like I said, we're a relatively young board, but we've really been hard at work trying to, trying to be intentional about structuring the work that we do and just as importantly, the work we decide not to do, right? Because, uh, if everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. So sure. we have spent, we have spent some time. Um, kind of going through a pretty extensive internal strategic planning process as a board. Um, and we have had basically three sessions at this point and come up with basically four focus areas. Um, one of them, uh, one of them is habitat, uh, is wildlife and habitat restoration. So we have a committee chair, a co-chair, um, whose primary function is to determine whose primary mission is to determine, okay, where can we, how can we create boots on the ground improvement opportunities throughout Ohio um, that our membership can get out and get engaged in? You know, some of us have the ability to volunteer, um, you know, 10 hours a month or 15 hours a month. And some of them, some of us just want to get out for a weekend and a day on a weekend and, and you know, get our hands dirty a little bit. So um, so we have some interest. We're, we're kind of working some angles right now with the Wayne National Forest, with Zelensky, Zelensky State Forest. Um, uh, working with the state um, for Fallsville Recreation Area to potentially do some some quail and, and pheasant um, habitat restoration work there. Um, so we're really we're really kind of being proactive about creating those opportunities in the future as well. So um, okay. we'll be communicating about that. So we are interested in hearing from our membership. If you have a project that you would like us to consider, please let us know. You know, it's kind of one of those deals that we don't know there's a problem, then we can't fix it. That's that's a good point. That's good to know. So I actually spoke to somebody from the, uh, I don't know if she works for the Division of Wildlife or somebody that works for the DNR, Division of Wildlife, somewhere in there. And, and you know, they had talked about your guys' 
Kilbuck Marsh cleanup last year. And, you know, just she couldn't say enough good things about you guys and, and just really appreciated the work that, that went on out there, the volunteer work. And so if, do people need to be members if they want to participate in some of these, uh, these events, these cleanup or, or habitat things? No way. I basically just have to have a, a strong, a, a, a willing heart and a strong back. That's about it. You know? <laughs> so kind of follow us on, you know, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, Ohio BHA, pretty easy to find. Um, we post those opportunities for cleanups. Sometimes they can be quick. Um, you know, obviously one of the things that we want to do is grow our membership. And, you know, um, from the, from the perspective of, um, you know, having events and getting folks out to lend a hand, um, you know, you know, we certainly want to advocate um, for folks to get involved in our organization because we believe in are passionate about the mission that, that our organization stands for. Right. Um, but we're not we're not also coming into this with a hard sell kind of situation. Sure. Um, you know, people want to come out and help. Uh, all are welcome. All are welcome. So. Awesome. And so you said the best way for people to sort of find out about these events would be your your Facebook and Instagram accounts. Yeah, we keep uh, we keep we keep those pretty well updated. And uh, anytime there's an event where an event, we're usually posting that information ahead of time. Um, we have sort of laid out an event schedule for the year. Um, uh, we're trying to have an, um, an event about every month to two months. Um, um, we just wrapped up a, a pine night and also staffed the deer and turkey expo up in Columbus just last weekend. Um, and we're moving into uh, here in the spring to have a couple of cleanup events. Uh, as well as uh, here in May, Memorial Day weekend, we're planning to do a, a canoe trip as well as a, a wild game barbecue that families can come out to uh, on the Little Miami River, which is one of our two national scenic rivers here in Ohio. This is uh, kind of down around south, southwest Ohio, so um, awesome. my stopping ground. So so we have some, some events coming up um, uh, uh, for the year, and um, we'll be uh, announcing a few more coming up as well. And just for for people's reference, what are your – how do people find you on – Instagram and Facebook. What are your what are your uh, handles? I guess on there at OHBHA and Ohio Backcountry Hunters and Anglers on Facebook. Okay, great. Jason. Yes. I'm sure. I don't know if you planned. I just don't want to pass over it just in case. Are we gonna? Let's definitely get into how people can join too. Yeah. yeah. So that was one thing that I wanted to because I've seen some questions. Maybe it's on been on your guys' social pages, but. When people join, are they just joining the Ohio chapter? Are they joining everything? How do they make sure that they're like? Do you when you join? I just threw a lot of questions at you there, but no, I, I, I'm when, feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. <laughs> when people when people join, so, right? They so, they pay so their membership just... fee, and does that money go to you guys, or does it go to the national board, or or how does that all work? So we get this question a lot. Um, when you, so like this weekend at our, at our last fight night, uh, we had a fellow from Kentucky and we had another fellow from West Indian. They kind of asked us the same thing. When you, what happens is you join the national, you, I mean, you join backcountry hunters and anglers. And then from there, they take your address and they take your information and, and anything pertaining to you and your area, your state, um, they'll send you, they'll send you information based on that. So you'll keep up to date on what's going on with the Ohio chapter. Okay. If you live in Ohio, now let's say you live in Ohio and sign up, well, then they keep you informed of what's going on in the Dakotas. Um, but yeah, your membership goes to your membership goes to the the BHA headquarters, and then um, we keep you informed based on your information from there. Yeah, and and we get um so so. The short answer is go to www.backcountryhunters.org. Membership's 25 bucks. You become a member of the national organization, and you're pretty consistently informed about what's going on in Ohio. So you sort of default become part of the Ohio chapter, part of the Ohio membership group. Um, and, and so you'll, you'll get customized emails and that kind of thing. Um, and you get the uh, – your membership includes the, the Backcountry magazine, right? 
Yeah, that's correct. Backcountry Journal. It's really a it's really a, an incredible publication. It comes out quarterly, um, and the Backcountry Journal, great photography, great stories. Um, some of them written by um, by members, um, just kind of updating folks on what's going on with public lands throughout the United States. There's also chapter sections, um, chapter policy update sections. So, for example, in the summer edition this year, we're going to have uh, we'll have a we'll have an article coming out about uh, AEP lands, which is kind of a hot button, uh, kind of a hot topic in Ohio these days. So, yeah. so you get you get access to that journal. Um, and uh, which is a great resource um, um, to kind of stand forward to what's going on both within Ohio as well as around the country. Yeah, that's I was just to add on that. I, I'm always, imp- you know, when that when that publication comes out and it shows up in the mail, I'm always impressed. Like you said, it's got really high quality, high quality photography and it's it's just a nice magazine to look at, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a beautiful one. We yeah. actually, uh, you know, we did a recruitment and retention effort um, last year. We auctioned off a turkey hunt. And we wrote an article, wrote, wrote an article about that. That'll be coming out in this uh, this coming spring edition as well. So oh, part of cool. our recruitment and retention efforts. So cool. So Ohio will be in there. So get your membership quick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you mentioned, I think that's that was a good uh, sort of segue. You mentioned Ohio's AEP land. So mm-hmm. That was one of the things that we discussed about, uh, wanting to talk about while we, while we had you guys on the show. And if you could, could you give a little bit of history on Ohio's AEP land, sort of how they came to be, if you know, uh, whatever you can share there and, uh, how it is that, that hunters are, are allowed to access that land and, and, and sort of what some of the, the recent concerns are with the AEP lands. Sure. So, um, Tony, feel free to feel free to jump in. Um, so, you know, uh, the AEP recreation lands, they're really a, a pretty unique um, resource uh, uh, that is available to, to the state. So um, essentially, um, Ohio Power um, identified essentially reclaimed coal mining country and turned it over in the 60s to become publicly accessible um, for hunting, fishing, backpacking, um, you know, kind of whatever outdoor pursuit you like. So this AEP recreation land, though it has technically been owned by a private entity, has become uh, really a cherished public resource in our state. Okay, um, and right now there are about sixty thousand acres uh, of AEP land available, um, but AEP uh, lands are now up for sale. Um, and like I said, these are technically privately owned, um, so uh, but publicly enjoyed resources. And, and th- these lands represent about 10 percent of the total public land um, access that we have in the state. Um, and, um, you know, one of the major initiatives that's come out of the governor's recently announced budget is called the Conservation Reinvestment Package. Um, and the intent behind that package partly uh, is to generate revenue to purchase those lands so that they remain accessible to the public. And, you know, from our perspective, um, 10 percent of our public access- publicly accessible land is a huge chunk. Um, and, you know, we're going to advocate uh, pretty strongly um, that uh, the governor and that our legislators um, sort of pony up and and uh, and purchase that those resources from AEP so that they remain accessible uh, to the public. Yeah, I think a lot of folks a year ago probably saw where the uh, Casey administration announced that they were buying for those acres. Um, so with the, you know with with that all in all, there's about fifty five thousand remaining. And uh, so, like John said, that was a big chunk in the conservation package and Dwight's budget. And, and uh, if it, Anybody, I think the the is pretty exciting. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of energy. It seems like we have an administration here who's uh, making it a priority to be focused on you know our natural resources and our wildlife within our state. Uh, um, so that's why budget that that was proposed what last Friday. Uh, that was that was a, a lot of talk, and it was was the acquisition of the AEP. Um, yeah. Some of the numbers around that 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 part of Ohio, you know, there's not there's not really the uh, there's not really the the jobs the people like district or yeah district 15. A lot of the a lot of the revenue generated right now is based on the uh, outdoor economy. You know, and that's a 24 billion dollar a year industry. And if we lose 10 percent of our public ground, that well, that'll a huge, huge chunk of revenue for the state. Yeah, so 
I, that's why I definitely wanted to uh, talk about that today because, like you said, 10%, that's a big deal, right? I mean, that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning where we've got less public land, so every every acre sort of matters, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, um, it's it's really high-quality land. It's great hunting and fishing land. So, and you know, it's just a great place to go. The, the, the number of lakes and ponds, you know, 350 ponds and lakes, um, you know, part of the part of the Buckeye Trail system, tons of camping spots. Um, there's there's row crop and agricultural leases. Those things that are that sort of are enticing to to deer, yeah, deer and turkeys, right? So yeah, yeah, um, it's just great. It's great land. It really is. It's not even just hunting and fishing. There's all kinds all kinds of access, and there's horseback riding. There's there's hiking opportunities. There's backpacking opportunities. So I mean, AEP really fits into a niche that that BHA tries to fit into, you know, when we're hooking bolt by name, we try to be inviting to anybody, you know, whatever reasons you have to get outdoors. Well, AEP encompasses all that too. It's like they, it's just an area in the state where if you have the ability, if you want to go outside and just go do something, AEP has something to offer for you. Is that AEP land, the 55 or 60,000 acres, is that included in our public land numbers since it's technically private? Like the 4%, is that included in that? Or is that in addition to other public land? It's included. Okay. So, you know, we consider it as sort of publicly accessible land. Um, um, so, you know, we <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty big chunk of our resource. So Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So do you guys know, or, or maybe Jeff, maybe you know, is was the reason that it became publicly accessible or that they've kind of converted it back to wildlife habitat, was that part of the agreement originally when, when they said, yep, you can strip mine this, but there needs to be some kind of a plan to put this back when you guys are done? Do, are you guys aware of the history on that at all? I would, I would think, um, sort of based on the, and this is utter speculation, and I hope someone emails and corrects me. But I, I would, I would think, uh, I would think in the '60s that that sort of, um, you know, that sort of pre-environmental movement, that that sort of um, progressive reclamation <laughs> uh, concept, um, uh, sort of wasn't on the forefront of people's minds. You know, from, from my perspective, whoever, whoever at AEP, whoever at Ohio Power came up with the idea of turning over to recreation land. Uh, was a was a was a business genius because he created a demand uh, to purchase that land when that land became uh, less profitable. So, um, right. yeah. frankly, I think it's a good model um, because I'm I'm in favor of um, you know creating some public incentive to purchase new public lands. You know that's a that's sure. a good thing. So um, that's kind of but again total speculation. It's well, Saturday morning. I get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> There's still some oil and gas revenue being generated off AEP. Um, and to my knowledge, as part of this, as part of the budget bill, there is some language in there that allows um, that allows AEP to retain, you know, some of those oil and gas rights. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why AEP held on to it was was speculation for kind of some further exploration and other other resources. Okay. Yeah, what I know about uh, the AEP property is uh, the. It, this was part of the reclamation process. Um, they they needed to do some improvements to it, um, mandated, and I, I believe they needed to hold on to the property uh, for a certain period of time to implement those uh, reclamation processes. Um, so that's why it kind of fell into the area it did, because they were trying to... Uh, find a use for it while they still had it even though it wasn't producing them a lot of revenue at the time um and it's kind of in a weird place because of the time that you know the the mining took place um the reclamation standards were a lot more lax mm -hmm. um a lot different of things would happen now with a area that is mined like that absolutely so that's what i i know about it from mm -hmm. my experience with it so well, we're talking about an area that was reclaimed back when lake erie caught on fire so right <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah 
So do you guys know, is <clears throat> the ODNR sort of getting first dibs on, on buying this? Or is it, if Ohio, if the DNR can come up with the money, then they can make an offer? Or do you know how that's sort of playing out at this point? Or is it playing out at this point? Right now, the Division of Wildlife and Division of Natural Resources are, are in uh, um, trying to work out a deal with AEP as far as acquiring it. Um, and all that kind of gets wrapped up in, into DeWine's proposed budget. Um, one of the areas that he, he wildlife's budget is increasing, you know, license and tag sales. And he's got those including eight of 54 license and tag sales. Now, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people, a lot of back on the 10 years there's not been an increase since 2004 since then inflation's increased 33 percent the increase that they're talking about for license and tag sales is at 32 percent so we're under that inflation rate plus you know traditionally hunters and anglers have ponied up when need be is another opportunity for uh, uh funding there's there's like I say there's talk of, of acquiring AEP. Um, and they're they're hopeful to uh, 55,000 acres, but currently, what's going to happen? Kind of what's going to happen next is is uh, the budget with Division of Natural Resources is going to give her testimony um, to the uh, Subcommittee of Agriculture and Natural Resources. We don't know for sure when that's going to be. Uh, there's there's some speculation that first second week of April, but we just don't know for sure, and we can have little notice is 48 hours um so membership to um, play a more active role and we have a little bit more information but we don't know we don't know when that's going to be just yet so that's you know that's something that we're going to kind of have to ask her our membership to hang on with us for um but after that you know like i say it'll, it'll go to the subcommittee on agriculture and natural resources and then uh debate will begin on it for from the uh proponents and the opponents of of uh kind of these increases and in, in where some of this budget information is going to go to. Um, once that's done, it'll go to the House floor and it'll begin debate on the House floor. Um, and, and hopefully once that gets better to go on to the Senate side of things, all going to uh, the public lands package that we sell in the, in the federal house and Senate. So it's all, you know, it's all playing this kind of um, tennis court back and forth game, but, uh, yeah, so like yeah. you say, there there is you know the the division natural resources is trying to strike a deal with AP as far as um, in public you know public access. Yeah, it's so it's 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 kind of inside baseball in terms of the state budget process. It's about as clear as mud, right? So <laughs> there there are all kinds of all kinds of committees. There's all sorts of negotiation, horse trading that's going to happen, and decisions and sort of decision points will be will be sort of made in, in pretty quick fashion. Part of our task is to be in touch with that inside baseball and to let our membership know when and how they should act on a quick basis. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of play interpreter for our membership and, and help define, you know, when to engage in the process. So you're really kind of paying attention to Instagram and Facebook. That's where we'll get that message out. Um, you know, the, the short, you know, the short is, you know, the governor has proposed about $45 million um, uh, as essentially um, uh, bond money that can be used toward matching resources to purchase AEP. Um, they probably have the best, um, they're probably in the best position to purchase. There aren't many private buyers who are going to want to buy those huge chunks of land, especially with most of the mineral rights depleted. Um, but there's still competition from the private sector. So it's really important to us to advocate um, you know, for the purchase of that land. Um, so, you know, so a good chunk, you know, there's bond money set aside, um, whether or not it makes its way through the process will depend on that horse trading. And it will depend in large part on us, uh, as, as hunters and anglers, uh, jumping and getting engaged in the legislative process and advocating to our legislators when the time comes. But, uh, it's hard to say quite yet when the time, uh, w w you know, when, when that moment's going to happen. So um, just kind of pay attention, keep, you know, keep, stay vigilant. Um, uh, we will keep you all engaged on a, on a, on a consistent basis and, and updated. Um, and when it's time to go, let's go. AP doesn't want to sell off 1,500 acre pieces. I mean, they, they want to sell off big chunks as, as big as they can. And as far as Ohio's concerned, 
to Division Wildlife and Division Natural Resources in that is in that A spot right now. Okay. So it it sounds like at this point the the listeners, the membership, is there anything for them to do at this point or wait until we hear from you guys that you need to contact legislators or or where are we in that sort of process? Should we be doing something at this point? Well, you know, I would say it, it, it doesn't hurt to demonstrate your support for the conservation reinvestment package. But I think I think we want to see how the process unfolds um, uh, before we start um, applying a sort of aggressive pressure. So, you know, at this point, I would, I, you know, uh, understand the package. You know, we, we've tried to summarize it, uh, kind of hit the high points. Tony mentioned that, the, you know, the, the fee increases and, you know, the AEP items that are included. Um, you know, adv- advocating to your legislator, if you know them, that you support that package is not a bad thing to do. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to pay attention to see if it turns turns positive or turns negative. And if it turns positive, we want to get out there and, you know, and, and make sure that our our, our legislators feel supported. And if it turns negative, we want to turn up some heat. So uh, we will. Uh, so at this point, really just kind of pay attention. We'll try to be we'll try to decipher the inside, pay, you know, baseball for folks um, and keep you all educated and, and, uh, and keep you in the loop. But it's kind of a hurry up and wait game at this point. Sure. So when it when the time does come, sure. what is the best way or, or what do you guys recommend as far as how should people engage their legislators so you know uh, you know we're we're sort of we're sort of in the process of deciding as a board exactly what that ought to look like but you know generally it's going to be just like with most grassroots efforts um you know it's going to be a a phone call and email campaign to legislators so um you know when we when we have a decision point and a message we're going to want to get folks out talking to their state reps um talking to their state senators and especially those who were involved in the committee process. So, um, you know, that'll that'll likely be um, kind of the best way to go about this. Um, uh, but there may be some other things and some other opportunities, um, you know, legislative receptions, that kind of thing that could be helpful. So um, but that's that, that's largely the best. That's largely the way that we as the citizens engage with our representative uh, representative officials. So. Okay. There's a lot of legislators. So like when, Tuesday when I was down there in the in the uh, legislative version, um, talking to a few of them, they had no idea. Like I live in West Ohio, AEP may as well be in a whole different country. Um, so, you know, reach out, but don't be afraid to reach out to your legislators and let them know, you know, kind of what your thoughts are because, you know, they, they don't know what they don't know. So make it a point to help them know what's what's going on and then support it. You know, it can be as simple as a phone call, email, you know, smoke signal, carrier pigeon, I don't care what it is. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to them. <laughs> that's a good, that's a, a good message there. Just in general, right? I mean, Absolutely. you got to make your voice heard, right? People like to, uh, at least we've seen, right? It, you know, people, it, it feels like want to be a, a keyboard warrior, but when it comes time to actually do something, a lot of times they, they don't, right? And, uh, yeah. Just well, you know, you know, yeah, you know, every, everyone's yeah, everyone's busy. Everyone's got jobs and families, and it, it, it's easy to become disengaged. But um, this is uh, this is our public land birthright, right? You know what I mean? This is this is there are very few places in a person's life where you can sort of forget about your past and forget about your future and live completely and be completely in the moment. And when you're in the wilderness, um, you know that's how I experience it. That's that's what that's what feeds me. Yep. And I would rather that be op- that opportunity be available for my children. So, the AEP Recreation Ground—that's Ohio's Alamo, as far as you know, as far as hunting and fishing and, and outdoor recreation opportunities are concerned. Uh, um, you know, the state's seeing a sharp decrease in in hunting license and, and fishing license and tag sales. Um, you know, so with that, you know, the budget's kind of going down too. So a lot of the efforts are focused on on our three efforts and. You know, just getting folks back outside, and, and it, you know, we're never going to see the we're never going to see the sharp increase of of license and tag sales like they did in the mid to late '90s, kind of that prime for that baby boom. But if we can see a stabilization instead of a sharp decrease in in license and tag sales, then maybe we can you know we can kind of levy this off a little bit. But if we don't, like say, AP's the Alamo. If we don't save it, then all we're doing is just you know. 
plugging holes and sinking ship after that. That's uh, that's a good way to state it. I think that just to kind of state the importance of it, and you know, we need to make sure we're conserving what we got. Like we said, uh, I, I got another question for you guys, and I don't know if if you know the answer to this, but one of the other things that we've seen sort of in our social media comments about some of this new budget proposals and things is once the budget is approved, what sort of, um, how should I ask it? What sort of guarantees do the people have that the money is going to get spent the way they say that it's going to get spent? We've sort of seen some, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Some jaded opinions that, oh, it's just going to end up lining people's pockets and it's not actually going to go to conservation. And, and is there any kind of guarantee that that money's going to be spent the way they say it's going to be spent? So, so I'm going to put a, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of take my BHA hat off on and put on my professional hat. Okay. I actually, I actually, I actually work with, uh, I work Everybody with governments. <laughs> I work with governments. Um, you know, as former budget director in the city of Cincinnati, I have some unfortunately detailed um, experience with the way um, uh, local and state government works. So it sounds like and, you're perfect to answer this question. <laughs> and you know, the idea that. Um, uh, this sort of conspiratorial idea that money is going into government coffers and it's becoming and it's sort of lining people's pockets. I mean, to be honest, I mean, it's it's largely nonsense. <laughs> so so most of the you know, most of that sort of sort of that sort of comment strain doesn't make a lot of sense. And here's why, um, you know, we've sort of gone through a process in this country where government budgeting, government accounting uh, is hugely regulated it's hugely restricted okay um in terms of the the license fees and things like that they're you know essentially without again getting too much into inside baseball um those fees are are encumbered they are they are dedicated towards specific purposes there is an, an annual audit process that makes sure that those funds are spent for specific purposes and if they are not um, if there are negative audit findings on an annual basis it impedes um, the state's ability to access federal grants. It impedes their ability to access bond revenue. Um, so there are a number of sort of mechanisms in place to keep that kind of thing from happening. And on the rare occasions when it does happen, it is largely investigated um, and criminal criminal proceedings are brought. So um, we have a we, you know we have in this country a structure uh, and a really reliable structure, honestly, um, that, uh, that, that that makes sure that public monies are spent um, in a responsible way. Um, and the money that, that, that we're identifying for, um, you know, for through through license fee increases and things like that, it's going to go toward conservation because that's how it's that is how it's defined and that's how it's audited and that's how it's enforced. So um, I get, um, you know, when you I get the sort of uh, perspective that, um, you know, well, uh, you know, there, there's a negative view of government. Right. Um, that's something sure. that that's sort of ingrained in who we are as Americans. And many of us take pride of it, pride in it. Right. Um, but um, but I, I don't see that as a real threat. Um, frankly, increasing increasing these fees is, is long overdue. Um, if you want to fund decent wildlife science, if you want to fund decent public lands, if you want to make sure that deer and turkeys are available, you have to we have to pay for it. That's just that's just the way it is. We cannot expect, um, you know, a grade resources with uh, with a, a D grade investment. Right. So. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I personally, you know, support the license increases. I am confident that those increases will go toward the purpose intended. Awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, glad I asked that question because that that's great information for people to, to be aware of and, and, and to know, I guess. Right. Cause that's, like I said, people have this sort of general overall distrust of government. And, mm -hmm. and so it's good to know that information. Yeah. All right, so Jake, Jeff, any any other questions you have for uh, John and Tony before we sort of start wrapping up? I guess the one question I have, and it's kind of a just for personal information, I guess. Like it always seems like the topic is public land is disappearing; it's getting sold, it's getting traded, whatever. Is there a process to gain public land, and how does that work? Like as a private entity if i don't but say i had whatever 100 acres and i want to turn this over to be public land 
instead of selling it or, you know, whatever. My grandpa had a hundred acres and it was in his will, you know, like, what, what does that look like? Can you, are we ever going to get more <laughs> or is it always, <laughs> is it always a losing, losing, losing? So the state actually increased some of its, some of its uh, public land holdings here within the last, uh, what was last year? I can't remember the name of the wildlife area that they Eagle, Eagle Creek. Yeah. Eagle Creek Wildlife Area. Yeah, there's somewhere. Yes, thank you. And so, you know, the, it, it's not always. I know. I, I know a lot of times around these conversations, it seems all doom and gloom. You know, we're losing this and we're losing that. But there is a lot of areas that that we are increasing access and increasing increasing. You know, our, our public land holdings and in you know the area. We don't always see that in Ohio so much, but out west, you know, you can look at a lot of areas that. You know, and, and like Wayne National Forest is a great example, right? Wayne National Forest is all that's acreage. Everybody likes to talk about how big it is. But if you look at it in a plot map, it's checkerboard. So, you know, there may be there may be a couple hundred acres, a couple thousand acres here and there that they're they're publicly accessible, but they're landlocked by private landowners. So, you know, with with programming like, you know, federal bonds and, and, and grants and, and you know, state size as well, there's areas that we, you know, like LWCF funding is a prime example. Um, you know, the acquisition of, of maybe a half acre could be the difference of accessing a couple of acres, but they're victories nonetheless. Not with like is to answer, um, or there, you know, there is programs where you can actually, you know, in your will or or you know, you have best you you've got some acres you take out a row crop or pasture or whatever it may be, and uh, you know, turn it into a wildlife area, turn it into park i mean there are programs out there that you can work with with your land you know to kind of increase that that access okay cool yeah and you actually touched on uh my question hunting in the way national forest uh mm -hmm. we've discovered that there is a, a not insignificant amount of public land that is landlocked by private land it's inaccessible mm -hmm. um so that that is something that basically you guys are aware of, and you guys yeah. are working to uh, improve. So I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because you know you meant you you mentioned you all kind of cut your teeth hunting down in Southeast Ohio, probably in the Wayne. Uh, you know, I spend, I take my rut vacation in the Wayne. It's one of my favorite places in Ohio. You know, we have 240,000 acres of timbered Appalachian foothills. You know, rock houses, spring creeks. And just the occasional 1930s Oldsmobile, you know, it's a, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it really is an incredible place. 300, you know, it's, it's special. Okay. Um, and now is, this is actually a really good opportunity to start to tackle some of those public access issues. Um, Wayne National Forest Service is currently initiating, they're in the process of going through um, a forest management plan revision process, which they complete every 10 to 15 years. And the last one was completed in 2006. Um, in May, um, so coming up very soon, uh, the Forest Service will be re releasing their assessment report of the sort of environmental conditions within the forest and starting the planning process. There are a number of citizen working groups. There are a number of ways to sort of stay engaged about what's going on in the process. Uh, we on the BHA board, our policy and advocacy committee particularly, um, is, uh, is actively engaged to make sure uh, that uh, sort of the interests of, of, of hunters and anglers are represented in that process. And, you know, that access piece um, is, is obviously a really important, really important component of that. All right. So the, I, I guess uh, a follow-up to that. So the access piece, would that look like uh, basically easements across private property or how would that sort of play out or what are the possibilities for, for that to play out to get access to some of that landlocked public land? That's the major mechanism. That's the major sort of institutional mechanism as a conservation easement. Um, okay. Um, so you know, they can be they can be hard to come by, right? So you can really only enact them as part of the sale process. Um, I would say there is a program in the state. There are there are there is effort um, within the Wayne, kind of based on my conversations with with folks there, to 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 pursue as many of those as possible. So they're proactive about it. Um, but ultimately, it's a private owner's decision as to whether or not they want to attach an, an easement to their to their, uh, you know, when they sell their land. Right. So every restriction you place on a, on a land purchase diminishes the value of that.
that land. You know, that's one perspective, right? The other perspective is adding a conservation easement maintains the, you know, the sort of the character of that land in perpetuity, right? So, so there is kind of two sides of the argument and it really depends on the individual landowner, but they are, there is an active effort to make sure that those things happen. And how would people become aware of a conservation, like say there's a, there's already a conservation easement in place. How do, does that show up like on Onyx or, or how do, how are people made aware that, yep, you can cross this private property to get to that public property? You know, it's not something that I have seen on Onyx, but I also don't really focus on areas that are landlocked <clears throat> based on that, based on that reason. So I don't know that I can intelligently answer that question. Okay. Okay. Well, is there anything so else? My uh, understanding on Onyx is always kind of involving changing. So it's kind of as you come across some of this information, let's say you're driving down the road, going to your hunt spot, and you see a you see a sign that is marked a conservation easement, and you don't see it on X, you down. You know, sometimes these conservation easements may be you know property owner passes away or sells off chunk. Sometimes it might be a two track, you know, hundred yard two track from the road to the you know whatever area it is on the edge of somebody's property. So, you know. It, it's always kind of a two-party system there. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, good information for people to sort of be aware of. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to cover? Any kind of closing thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I think... Um, BHA. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Join the organization, man. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> that's about it. We're doing All good right. work. We're doing we're doing work on behalf of public lands. We're doing, doing work on behalf of uh, your hunting and fishing. Um, rights and um, you know we hope you'll we'll hope you'll get out and get out and support us by joining and if you don't we hope you'll get out to to some of our uh, some of our pint nights and events and just enjoy some good company so awesome hope to the folks and, and membership will kind of bear with us through this process as, as far as the wines budget you know some of this information may come at you kind of fast but don't be afraid to reach out to us if you have questions or concerns and and like I say you know, rest assured, I mean, right now we're, we're watching this ex- extremely close and, and, you know, as soon as we get information that, you know, we, we can release and, and give to the public, we're going to, because we want our membership and we want everybody to stay engaged and stay focused on it as well. So, but you know, listen and stay informed and, and don't want to to act. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of be following your guys' social as well and make sure we're, sharing the information on our our pages as well to get the information out because like i said it's it's important and we need we need everybody's help so all right guys if there's nothing else like i said i want to thank you guys for coming on i appreciate the conversation i think there was a we covered a lot of good topics in this one and uh we'll have to have you guys back on sometime when when the next issue arises or after the aep thing is sort of the dust is settled and and uh we'll talk again Sounds great. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks for having us. And there you have it. I want to thank Tony and John for taking time to talk to us today. Hopefully you guys learned something from that. I know I did, and I really appreciate them coming on and talking with us. Hopefully you'll join Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and support the organization. There'll be links to all of their information in the show notes, as well as links to our social media pages. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook and Ohio Huntsman Podcast on Instagram. And with that, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.